All right, let's pray together, church. You are worthy to receive all blessing and honor, glory, power. You are worthy to receive all credit, all of our attention. You're worthy. Father, we ask that you open our eyes. This is this is our time to dig into your word. God, open our eyes. Awaken us to what is good and right and true. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I went to a wedding last night. And I watched the father of the bride walk his daughter down the aisle. And the last time I remember that happening, it was me who was walking my daughter down the aisle. I thought I was the only one crying until I looked over and and I wasn't. Uh, My daughter and I shared a special moment together. And and the emotions ran so thick. The emotions ran so deep in me that, that the only thing that could express that were my tears. I was, I was overwhelmed. And just thinking about it today. Uh, tears, tears are, are something that, that communicates deep down from the soul. And I don't know about you, but, but maybe you think about when's the last time that you cried? And some of us are, are much more emotional than others. Some of you might get, get a cry every week, but, but that's not me. And, but there are times when I am moved and it's because I care. I have cried during a sermon. I've cried during movies. I cry during weddings because I think about my family. I cry when people hurt. I cry at funerals. Tears are are meant to express something about where we are. And uh, you've heard it said, real men don't cry, and that's that's not true. Uh, That's a lie. In fact, real men show emotion. Because real men care. If you have your Bible, I'll invite you to open up to Jeremiah uh, chapter 1. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah this morning. And we're going to study one who was known as the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet, and his name is, of course, uh, Jeremiah, since the book is about him. Uh, I want to set you up for Jeremiah, though, this morning. Uh, We have a a, a graphic that we show every week to remind us the big picture of the Bible. And that is that God created a world, a kingdom, if you will. And that kingdom was infiltrated by the enemy and brought about the fall of man. And the kingdom, the the walls were breached, and and that kingdom fell in a sense. 
But God promised, even though that kingdom rebelled against his rule and his reign, to restore that kingdom once again. And that process is called redemption. And so we see this is what we're looking at. There was creation, fall, redemption, back to the kingdom. And what we have been singing about this morning. Is he worthy? That is the great process of redemption that has been brought to us to get us back to the kingdom. The lamb was slain to bring us back into right relationship into God's kingdom once again. Jeremiah is a prophet who is prophesying to the people of Israel who have been God's chosen people to bring about his savior, Jesus Christ. God's chosen people to bring about a savior. They are rebelling once again against God's kingdom and there will be another fall. God created the garden. There was a fall in the garden. God created a people. There was a fall within the people. But nonetheless, God is faithful. He will bring about his savior. And he will bring us God's people, God's true Israel into eternal kingdom. Do we believe that he's coming to be with us again? We just sang that. What church? What's the answer? We what? We, we do. We do believe that he will be with us again. Last week we looked at Josiah's reform. Historically, Josiah's reform was a, a, a beautiful thing to see, but it was not a lasting thing. He brought the reform. He taught us what true repentance is and how to be brought into God's presence and God's right full, full presence again. But his son who came right after him crushed it and went back to godlessness. And then his son came and crushed it. Jehoiakim. And then Jehoiakim. And then we get a reference to Zedekiah today. But Jeremiah lived through all of those kings. From Josiah to Zedekiah. He sees the rise and fall of leaders. But Jeremiah's message is the same throughout. Repent. Repent and go to God. Let's look at it this morning. We begin with Jeremiah's call in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I consecrated you. And appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Now let me stop for a moment and and just give a, a quick notice to this. Even in the womb of his mother, there was purpose for Jeremiah. This is a very important point for us to remember. That even a child before they are born is known by God. And Psalm 139 says this, is knit together in his mother's womb by God. So church, you and I need to know that there is great value for every single soul, whether it's in a womb or outside of a womb, that God has purpose and plan. And it goes to show right here with Jeremiah. God cares. He has purpose and value from the start. And specifically, he has chosen 
Jeremiah for a purpose of what? Do you see it? I've appointed you to be a what? A prophet to the nations. I have appointed you to speak my word. Verse 6. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a young man. Does that remind you of anybody? Sounds a little bit like Moses to me, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, I, 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 I can't speak. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Church, let me stop for a moment. Let me ask you a question. What are your excuses? You may not be called to be a prophet of God. But I believe everybody in here has a calling of God to do something for the kingdom of God. Every time in the Bible that we see people going before God with their excuses, he tells them how sufficient that he is, that how sufficient that God is. How does he respond to Jeremiah? Don't you give me the excuse. You are going to go. You shall go and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them for I am what? I am with you. Friends, if there's an excuse that you have for not doing what God is, is leading you to do and drawing you to do. Then you may not believe the same God that I believe in. Because what the Bible says is that God is able. And what the Bible says is do not be afraid for God is with you. Christian, God is with you. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He has a purpose, and, and you are the instrument to accomplish that purpose. It's not if, it's when the purpose will be accomplished. And it's not about you, Jeremiah. It's about my purpose. Boy, this is good stuff. Church, it's not about you. And when you give your excuses to God, you're saying, well, it's about me. It's not. Then the Lord put out his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Didn't we just read this about Isaiah? Yeah, we did. God has put his words in the mouth of his people. Do you believe that? R really, do you believe that? God has put his words in the mouth of his people. And specifically here is prophet, but but the Lord has told us that, that we as new covenant believers are, are a people who are to proclaim his word. We, we go to him and, he, and we know that he is with us to allow that to happen. He touched his mouth. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10. See, I have set this day over nations and over kingdoms. I have set you over them to pluck up, to break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build up and to plant. 
The word of God does these things to people. It, it plucks up. It breaks down. It destroys. But it also builds and it plants. Church of God. Church, listen to me. If we're not speaking the word of God, we are not giving the fuel for plucking up, for tearing down, and for doing God's work. If we are silent, how is God going to work through us? And the answer is he's not. He will find someone else. And church, I believe this church, you and me, have been called by God to do a work in this community. Just look around for a moment. Just look around. There are people here. You are to be equipped to do the work of God, as Jeremiah was. We have a job to do. Will we do it? Will we speak? And y'all, if, if, if we won't, I think he'll find somebody right down the road who will. I want to be used by God. Jeremiah spoke the word. For 42 years, some say even more, Jeremiah was faithful to preach the word that God gave him. But we don't have one recorded convert to his other than his scribe Baruch. We don't see anything written in Jeremiah about how people came and repented like in the days of Josiah. We don't see anything like this happening. For 42 years, he proclaimed the message. He spoke to other priests and prophets and called them out. He spoke to the king and his courts and called them out. He spoke to the people in general. He went to the temple while they were misusing it. And he spoke out. And he did get something, though. Jeremiah did get something. You know what he received for his efforts? I'll, I'll read you a couple of stories. Here's, here's what Jeremiah received for his efforts. In chapter 38, this is one of them. Now Shepetiah, son of Matan and Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malachiah, heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to them. Thus says the Lord, he who stays in this city shall die by the sword, shall die by famine, pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall have his life as prize of war and live. Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hands of the army of the king of Babylon and it shall be taken. Then the officials said to the king, those who were listening, went to the king and said, let this man be put to death. For he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in this city and the hands of the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of the people, but their harm. Oh, his message is being harmful. His words are harmful words. Sometimes we hear that today, don't we? King Zedekiah, he was the last king before the fall of Judah. He said, behold, he's in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you or will not do anything against you. So watch what happens. 
So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern. If if you know what a cistern is, there were really two ways to get water back in that day. One was you could get a spring water or flowing water, or you could collect rainwater in a cistern. And you would store it in a cistern. And sometimes they were just jars. Other times they were as big as this room. And they were deep. Sometimes they had cracks in them. Sometimes they were dry because there was no rain. It just depended. Well, here we have a cistern. A big pit, if you will. As deep as this room, quite possibly. In this case. And they throw Jeremiah Or they lower him, rather, into this cistern. Watch what happens. There was no water in the cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. I was telling the story last night, and Ash said, oh, so there was quicksand in the bottom of the cistern. I'm like, yeah, kind of like that. He sunk in the mud. Now imagine yourself, because you are speaking what the Lord told you to speak, that they throw you into a cistern, and you sink in the mud. Maybe they seek to silence what you're speaking. They're saying it's harmful. When Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a eunuch who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern, the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate. Verse 8. Ebed-Melech went from the king's house and said to the king, My lord the king. These men have done evil in all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern. And he will die there of hunger. For there is no bread left in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, Take thirty men with you from here and lift Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to the house of the king. To the wardrobe and the storehouses and took from there old rags and worn out clothes. I love this. Which he let down to Jeremiah in the cistern by the ropes. Then Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, put the rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. Then they drew Jeremiah up with ropes, lifted him up out of the cistern, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. You want to speak a message? You can do it down in the pit and you can be hungry while you do it. That's the response to Jeremiah. How do you think that would make you feel? How do you think that would make you feel? Same man in Jeremiah chapter 20. I'll give you one more instance here. Named uh, Pashur, the priest. Same guy we read about earlier. Now Pashur the priest, the son of Emer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pashur beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate in the house of the Lord. The next day, Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks. And Jeremiah said to him, the Lord does not call your name Pashur, which means freedom, literally, But he calls your name terror on every side. For thus says the Lord, behold, you will make behold, I will make you terror to yourself and to all of your friends. And they shall fall by the sword of their enemies while you look on 
And I will give all Judah into the hands of the king's Babylon. He shall carry them captive to Babylon and shall strike them down with the sword. Moreover, I will give all the wealth of the city, all its grains, all its prized belongings, all the treasures of the kings into Judah by the hands of their enemies, who shall plunder them and seize them and carry them off to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go, there you shall die, there you shall be buried, you and all of your friends to whom you have prophesied falsely. Now some may look at this and go, wow, I mean, Jeremiah kind of deserved, He's, he was kind of brutal with his speech. But here's what we, we need to understand, okay? Dial back in if you've, if you've fallen away. There was doom coming to this city and this nation of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. Doom, like bloodshed, terrible acts of war that we can't even fathom were coming. And what Jeremiah was saying was, if you turn to God, you can be saved. If you will listen and obey to what his word says, these things will not happen. But false prophets like Pashur and others were telling them otherwise. The the best thing that Jeremiah could do was tell them the truth. Are you all with me? How about today? You know, sometimes people don't like hearing that Jesus is the only way for salvation. You all know that? Sometimes people don't even want you to pray at school or at work. There is a pressure to rid the world and the the government and the business and, and all of the world of the presence of God and his word and his truth. But the best thing, Christian, that you can do is continue to speak what is true. Amen. Part of the problem today in our culture is that Christians are silent. We are unwilling to receive the cost of what it takes to speak. We were in Bible study Wednesday night, and I made a statement, and and I'll I'll make it again here. Because I think it's true, and I think we need to consider this. Forty years ago, our country didn't look like it looks today. And I believe it looks like it looks today because for the last 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, you can pick your number. It's because Christians have failed to speak the word of God faithfully. Silence is an easier option and we have opted for silence. Jeremiah knew that when he spoke, he would get beaten. Jeremiah knew that when he spoke, he would get thrown into a cistern. Jeremiah knew that when he spoke, he would receive some sort of punishment for what he did. But there was something that made Jeremiah not 
stop. There was something that made Jeremiah continue, even though it hurt. Even though he knew it it wasn't good and it wasn't right. And Jeremiah didn't whine and complain. Jeremiah just brought the word. And Christians, in our day, we tend to whine and complain a whole lot rather than continuing to be faithful with the word. There was something inside of Jeremiah that kept him going. Jeremiah verse 20, chapter 20, verse 9 says this. Jeremiah speaking, if I say, I will not mention the Lord or I will not speak in his name. There is in my heart as if it were a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I'm weary with holding it in. I cannot. It's something in me and it's got to get it out. Christian, is there a fire in your bones? Christian, is there something within you that says, I have to speak of Jesus? I have to pray for these people because I want them to know the Lord. And I'm not talking about being arrogant or or foolish. I'm talking about speaking the truth. Is there a fire in your bones for your family? We pray every single week in our Sunday school class for family members. Every single week. There's a fire in our bones for our family members that need Christ. Is there a fire in your bones? Have you lost the fire? Is the fire, is it just a spark? Maybe you need to go to God. Paul echoed this in his word to the Galatians. Listen to how Paul says it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. For Judaism, I was so zealous. But when he, when God, who had set me apart before I was born, when I was in my mother's womb, before I was born, and who called me by his grace, when God was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles, God was set apart before he was born. He continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and he says this. For I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity of preaching is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. May judgment be brought upon me if I don't do The preaching of the gospel. There's a fire in his bones. Christian, do you believe you were called out before the foundation of the world? Like the scripture says you were? Do you believe that? You share more in common with Jeremiah and the apostle Paul than you might think you do. Christian, do you believe that God has called you to proclaim the word of God? Like he's said you do. Some of you may be thinking right now, well, I I can't preach. Okay. 
Not everybody's called to preach. Are you praying? Can, can you pray? Are you praying? Is there anyone that you are praying for that needs to hear the word of God? Maybe there's no fire at all. As a church, we proclaim the word of God. Are, are you giving to the church to help that process go? Are you giving of your time? Are you giving of your effort? Are you contributing to the organized work of the church? You know, that's one of the, the expectations the Bible, I mean, not the Bible, the, the plans and policies says that every church member ought to be doing. Contributing to the shared, organized work of the church. Are you? That's part of getting the word out. I had somebody call me this week. Their question to me was very simple. Why don't people come to church on Sunday night? Where's the fire? Is there a fire in your bones? Is there a fire for someone? Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. You know, Jeremiah was beaten. We read. I, I didn't read all of them, y'all. He was beaten. He was thrown in a sloshy quicksand pit to die. And, and Jeremiah wept. For the people around him. Look, look specifically. Chapter 9 verse 1. Oh that my head were waters and my eyes were fountains of tears. That I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. Chapter 13. But if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. Jeremiah hurt. Jeremiah, he had a fire and a compassion for the people around him. Church, do you? Do you care about souls around you? Do we believe? Do we really believe the words that Jesus said that I am the way and the truth and the life and that no man comes to the Father except through me? Do we believe that? And, and if we believe it, and we don't share the name of Jesus and the, the means of salvation with people, what does that say about us? I, I, I'm not here just to make you feel guilty. That's not my point. My purpose is to say, Yo, we, we got to get the fire. People are dying and going to hell every day. And oftentimes we just sit silent. We give meagerly in our efforts 
to the kingdom. Have you wept for those who are lost? All right. Let's round the corner here. I want to get to Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. But Jeremiah was a precursor to another weeping servant of God. And I wonder if you could guess his name. The shortest verse in the Bible says what? Jesus wept. Jesus was known as the man of sorrows. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 and 4 makes it very clear. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Jesus was a man who came and who had a great burden for those around him. Who had, how often do you remember reading in the Gospels if you've read them? He had compassion on the crowd. His spirit was moved within. Jesus was grieved in his soul. All these emotions that piled up in our Savior, Jesus, that were moved to help the people around him. He was angry with people who were leading others into hell. And he brought curses upon them. Stop. Stop that message. It's like throwing a millstone around someone's neck and throwing them into the ocean. Stop. He was angry. He was flipping tables angry. He was emotionally involved. Not only that, I mean, Jeremiah got beat. Jeremiah got thrown into the pit. Uh, You've read some of this. Luke 22. And being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here, go over there and pray. And he said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here. Watch with me. My soul is sorrowful. Jesus came knowing that he had the word of God to proclaim. As we've seen it in the the passion play, and we have read it many a time. Jesus said in John 18, my purpose. I was born for this purpose and have come into the world to bear witness to what? If Jesus wasn't too good to be a messenger of God's word, what makes us think that we are immune from that? And how did they receive Jesus? Well, Matthew 26 tells us they spit in his face. They struck him. And some of him slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? In Matthew 27, it says, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him. They spit on him. They took the reed and they struck him on the head. I could keep going. You can read the Gospels, read the suffering that Jesus went through. All right, let's wrap this up. All right. Jeremiah was emotionally involved with the people around him to bring them the word of God. Jesus Christ 
ultimately was emotionally involved to proclaim the word of God and bring people to salvation. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Are you emotionally involved in bringing the word of God to people around you? This is the model for us in the scripture. Do you care? The Bible says that apart from the saving grace and blood of Jesus Christ, when we die, if we are outside of the grace of Christ, we will spend eternity in torment. Do we care? Do we weep? Do we silently weep like Jeremiah? What's your application? Y'all, we need to tell people that Jesus saves sinners that repent. Come on, church. We need to tell people that Jesus saves sinners that repent. If you don't know how to tell somebody then you come find me. Let's talk. The, the church is here to equip us to go and tell people that Jesus saves sinners that repent. That's why we're here. Discipleship, evangelism, worship. Evangelism's right there in the middle. We need to tell people that Jesus saves sinners that repent. Once they do go through our baptismal waters, they need to learn how to tell others. That Jesus saves sinners that repent. And they need to know how to draw near to God and be equipped. If we are sitting around playing video games our whole life, why are we here? If we are sitting around scrolling Facebook our whole life, why are we here? Come on, church. We have a job to do. Do you know how to pray? I'm calling you to pray. Pray for the salvation of those around you. Do you know how to speak? I'm calling you to speak the right things. Do you know how to to get up here and and walk around like a a first century soldier? I'm asking you, be a part. Passion play. Do you know how to pick up a a beanbag and hand it to a kid so he can throw it while he hears Jesus save sinners that repent and our fall outreach? I'm asking you to be a part. Do you know how to come to a Sunday school class and pray for the people around you? I'm asking you to come and be a part. You know how to show up on Wednesday night and and study the Bible together or or serve in children's ministry or watch kids in a nursery? Do you know how? This is all part of the, the, the thing, the process. I say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We do this together. Let's do our part. Everybody, let's do our part. Jesus saves sinners that repent. Say it with me, church. Jesus saves sinners that repent. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never come into a place in your life where you've humbled yourself before Him, recognize your great sin before a holy God, I want to invite you to 
to do that today. To listen, to hear. Is God calling you out of sin into his marvelous light? If he is, maybe it's time for you today to bow on your face and say, Father, forgive me. I know it's real. I need to move forward. I need to commit. I need to make it happen. If you're holding back on something, maybe today's the day you just need to say, I'm ready to go. I have, I have made this a, a lower priority in my life, but I need, to, I need to make it right. However you need to respond, I invite you to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Fill us with your spirit. Raise a fire in us. Equip us and send us. Send us on mission. To evangelize and bring the message that Jesus saves sinners that repent. Lord, send us all of those who need to hear the message. Send it here. We will share it. God, send us as well where the message needs to be shared. May we be your mouthpiece. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.